Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Propaganda Watch, that regular video series where I examine pieces of propaganda from, usually from the establishment media, that are seeking to shape your thoughts, opinions, and behaviors. And this week, we turn our attention to a very specific subject that goes along the lines of a lot of what I've been saying about this coronavirus quote-unquote crisis since it first began developing, or at least since it was first being pushed by the propaganda pushers. And that is along the lines of what Rahm Emanuel articulated famously or infamously in alternative media circles anyway, uh, a decade plus ago, that never let a good crisis go to waste, although that has been said before by other people, but you get the idea. Never let a good crisis go to waste. So a lot of the coverage around this has centered on that idea. For example, when we talk about medical martial law, the bringing in of various medical procedures, mandatory vaccinations, etc. on the back of this crisis, that's quite an obvious first order effect of this pandemic that we are told we are living through at the moment. Uh, second order effects that that I've talked about include, for example, on New World Next Week recently, we were talking about the World Economic Forum, who are now pimping the great global economic reset on the back of this ginned up crisis. Uh, because of course, this globally spreading novel coronavirus means that we should essentially adopt the Green New Deal and reorder the economy and all of these other things, right? Uh-huh. And now we're going to turn our attention to something that I guess would be more like almost a third order effect of this. It's certainly longer term project, but I think perhaps more fundamentally important to the future of humanity generally, and also to the would-be social engineers. I am talking specifically about transhumanism, and I would like to think that that is not a new word for people in my regular audience, but perhaps it is. I know there are new people tuning in all the, all the time, so why don't we get a definition of what is transhumanism from our friends at the Wall Street Journal? Don't worry, I'll have better sources later on. But we are going to take a look at an interesting piece of propaganda that just floated through the news wires via wallstreetjournal.com. Looking forward to the end of humanity, COVID-19 has spotlighted the promise and peril of transhumanism, the idea of using technology to overcome sickness, aging, and death. So there in that subheadline, we get the definition of, a definition of transhumanism, the idea of using technology to overcome sickness, aging, and death. Well... I can get on board with that. That sounds all right. I mean, after all, I mean, all of medical science is about applying technologies to try to he help heal the human body. And we all use technologies of various sorts to upgrade our bodies already. I mean, I wear glasses. People have braces. I mean, we, we use various types of technology. They, they've been used for centuries to try to upgrade our human experience. Why not take that into the 21st century? Well, let's see what the Wall Street Journal and Adam Kirsch have to write about this. Quote, it sounds bitterly ironic now, in the midst of a global pandemic, but not long ago, some of the most forward-looking people in the world believed that humanity was close to abolishing death. If you ask me today, is it possible to live to be 500? The answer is yes, said Bill Maris, the founder of Google Ventures in 2015. Three years later, biomedical researcher Aubrey de Grey estimated that people in middle age now have a fair chance of never dying. Eternal life through advanced technology seems like a pipe dream for a society that, until recently, had trouble manufacturing enough masks to save doctors and nurses' lives. Yet COVID-19 may turn out to be just the kind of crisis needed to turbocharge efforts to create what its advocates call a transhuman future. 
With our biological fragility more obvious than ever, many people will be ready to embrace the message of the Transhumanist Declaration, an eight-point program first issued in 1998. We envision the possibility of broadening human potential by overcoming aging, cognitive shortcomings, involuntary suffering, and our confinement to planet Earth. Transhumanists, many of them associated with nonprofits and think tanks like Humanity Plus and the Extrapy Institute, have long been driven by the fear that our entire species could be wiped out by nuclear war, asteroid collision, technological accident, or a pandemic. In March, as the coronavirus was spreading around the world, the science writer Tom Chivers observed that it proves the need for technological protection against such existential threats. Humans could be around for a billion years or more if we don't screw it up. Coronavirus won't be the thing that kills us all, you don't say, but it's a bloody good illustration of how something could, he wrote in the online magazine Unheard. People have always feared death and dreamed of escaping it, but until now, that hope has been formulated in religious terms. Transhumanism promises that death can be conquered physically, not just spiritually, and the movement has the support of people with the financial resources to make it happen if anyone can. Jeff Bezos, Peter Thiel, and Elon Musk are among the Silicon Valley moguls who have invested in life extension research. In 2013, Google entered the field by launching the biotech firm Calico, short for California Life Company. All right, I'm not going to sit here and read the entire article for you. We've already gotten through a good third of it, if not half. But I think you understand what the gist of this article is. It is trying to at least introduce the public, if not indoctrinate the public more generally into the idea of transhumanism as a potential savior to problems like this pandemic, which at least they do admit is not an existential threat to humanity, but it shows what an existential threat could be and how how we how it would affect us, or so they say. Um, and there are several things to note about this. First of all, at least they do spell it out, I think, pretty clearly, but let me read it again for the heart of thinking. Yet COVID-19 may turn out to be just the kind of crisis needed to turbocharge efforts to create what its advocates call a transhuman future. So once again, that almost word for word, there's Rahm Emanuel's formulation. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. Well, they're not letting this crisis go to waste. They're going to use it to promote this idea of transhumanism in some way merging humanity with technology in order to propagate human consciousness out to the stars, and <laughs> they do get into that in some detail. I, I'll, I'll read this paragraph. They, they talk about the Human Connectome Project, launched in 2009 by the National Institutes of Health, describes itself as an ambitious effort to map the neural pathways that underline human brain function. If those pathways could be completely mapped and translated into digital zeros and ones, the data could be uploaded to a computer, where it could survive indefinitely. The physicist Michio Kaku has theorized that this is how humanity will overcome the logistical challenges of deep space travel. We're going to put the connectome on a laser beam and shoot it to the moon. In one second, our consciousness is on the moon. In 20 minutes, we're on Mars. In eight hours, we're on Pluto. In four years, our consciousness has reached the nearest star. This may sound like science fiction, but it's also the natural conclusion of the technological advances of the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, if this sounds like PR and marketing for the transhumanist movement rather than serious journalism, I think you're correct about that. Uh, this whole 
in uh, article so it reads like a puff piece for the transhumanists and their ideas um, but it is it does say some interesting things about this idea and how they are coming to push it at this moment of crisis along with all of the other agenda items and this this may not be agenda 2030 maybe this is agenda 2040 2050 2100 uh, the longer term vision uh, for where they want to take not just our current economy or the the current state of our legal institutions or what have you, but literally the future of the human species uh, with these ideas of, well, we're just going to convert your consciousness to zeros and ones and then we can beam it around the universe or put it into a telepresence robot or any number of other things. We can clone you and your clone will be able to carry on your consciousness because it will be you because you are reducible to zeros and ones and we can just reproduce that we can bioprint it with the 3d printers of the future or so they want you to believe and they do desperately want you to believe this i will put uh, some of their own words in uh, the show notes here if you want to read that aforementioned transhumanist declaration you can find it on the humanity plus website at humanityplus.org i'll throw in the link uh, I don't think it's a particularly enlightening declaration. It really just reads as kind of hot air, political blather, touchy-feely, good, warm, fuzzy language that doesn't really say anything. But uh, if you do want to read through it, they do talk about, for example, envisioning the possibility of broadening human potential by overcoming aging and cognitive shortcomings, involuntary suffering, and our confinement to planet Earth, exactly as quoted in that article. They talk about uh, most of... Human potential is still unrealized. We face serious risks, blah, blah, blah. Research efforts need to be invested in understanding prospects for progress and uh, reduction of existential risks has to proceed through these technological means. Policymaking ought to be guided by responsible and inclusive moral vision. I mean, who's going to disagree with completely empty and vapid statements like that. We advocate the well-being of all sentience, including humans, non-human animals, and any future artificial intellects, modified life forms, or other intelligences to which technological and scientific advance may give rise. Literally talking about science creating new, not just new life, but sentience. Pretty tall order. And uh, we favor allowing individuals wide personal choice over how they enabled their lives. Talking about the various life extension therapies, reproductive choice technologies, cryonics procedures, and other possible human modification and enhancement technologies. And again, that transhumanist declaration uh, signed in 1998 by an international group of authors. And I'm sure there are uh, some names in that list that are worth looking into and looking at in greater detail. I certainly am familiar with Nick Bostrom from that list. I think that name will resonate with uh, some of the audience, but others I'm not so familiar with. So certainly there's some uh, leads and potential for research there. But when you do start to look into this, some of these names will certainly sound familiar to you, like Nick Bostrom, like Aubrey de Grey, who was name-checked there uh, in that article, like uh, Zoltan Istvan, uh, like Ray Kurzweil, Uh, People like this who have been talking about the singularity, talking about merging consciousness with machines, talking about being able to basically digitize your consciousness and create a digital you, and you can live forever. Uh, Once again, for people who are really just dipping their toes into this, let me humbly suggest my own introduction to the idea of transhumanism, which I proposed in 2008. That's right, 12 years ago I had a podcast on transhumanism and you. So I suppose it may be a bit 
outdated at this point, but at least in terms of getting a handle on what transhumanism is and why this is an important topic and was 12 years ago, is today, and will probably presumably be even more important a decade from now. Uh, but now we're starting to see it being introduced more widely to the general public. But if you do want a slightly more up-to-date uh, treatment of some of the ideas that they are talking about here, I will recommend a very interesting and, and good uh, video from TrueStream Media, Technological Resurrection and the Future of Being, talking specifically in that case about Zoltan Istvan and some of his ideas and for living forever forever, or creating a clone that it will be you and all of these promises of the transhuman movement that don't seem to have a lot of depth to them. But it isn't just technological skepticism, although feel free to apply that to these grandiose claims about what will be possible in the future. But I think it's deeper than that, because even if it were technologically possible to recreate in some sense your consciousness in zeros and ones on some silicon chip, the fundamental question of what does that mean and what does it mean to be human are still questions that are worth talking about and worth defining so that we have a grasp on what it is that we are fighting for or fighting against in some cases. And I think it is interesting that they are trying to tag on to this COVID-19 ginned up crisis as an opportunity for introducing this to the public because the public, one of the effects of the new biosecurity paradigm, which I have noted we have been introduced to on a large scale this year, obviously, one of the effects of that is to introduce the idea of into the general public consciousness of our frail human organic bodies as being vulnerable and and icky and we spread things around to other people and we catch diseases and we're so uh, we're just these horrible lumps of matter and we're all ugly and gooey on the inside and it's just so messy if only we could live in the perfect virtual digital world of zeros and ones and electrons flowing through circuits. It's just so, oh, it's so much nicer there, so much more orderly. Um, so you certainly see how this would apply. This would, uh, th these ideas would uh, entice people who are inclined towards order out of chaos, because it at least promises that on a theoretical level. Although I do find it Interesting also to note that one of the first words that I'm sure anyone who was being introduced to computers through the personal computer revolution of a, a few decades ago at this point, four, four decades plus ago at this point, uh, one of the first things people learned about was computer viruses. It was one of the first analogies that was applied to the computer body, as it were, is, oh yeah, and they can catch viruses. So, I mean, that, that, that says something about some of the dangers of moving into a digital world willy-nilly, thinking that it promises us uh, some future that uh, that is going to be utopian. Well, there are such things as computer viruses. There are even such things as hackers who can take over and control a system. What would happen if your consciousness was purely digital and was hacked into and was taken over? Uh, that's that's certainly a possibility, isn't it? And don't you think would-be social controllers, people who have been trying to control humanity for decades, if not centuries, if not millennia, would not jump at the chance to be able to hijack, hack into the public's general consciousness and take over individuals as they see fit? I mean, crazy sci-fi kind of stuff, but they're talking about it and they're they're trying to introduce this to the public at this point. And it's on the back of the COVID-19 ginned up crisis, which... 
I note, and I have noted since the beginning, this part of what is going on here is truly an anti-human agenda. I think transhumanism is anti-human at its core. Oh, that that icky, frail human body is just, uh, it's mostly just waste. All you really need is the brain. And even then you don't need your physical brain matter. You just need the, the neurons and the neural synapses and the information that's flowing around. You could just digitize that and just get rid of the human body completely. It is a fundamentally anti-human thing. And part of that that, that they're playing on is the fear of death. And I suppose, yes, this is one of the existential fears of uh, human beings who are sentient and self-aware and realize they're going to die someday and everyone thinks about it and, and some with dread, some with a great deal of dread, some with uh, it doesn't uh, keep them up at nights. But at any rate, it is a fundamental human fear that a lot of people share. But it in of itself, the idea that we that death is not an inevitable part of life and should not should not exist that there's something wrong with death itself that we should actually try to eradicate death completely there is something anti-human about this and this is something that I actually picked up on on my the things you cannot say about coronavirus uh, article that I wrote back in late March where I wrote the idea that disease and death are unnatural or unavoidable is anti-human. People die. Sometimes they die of car accidents. Sometimes they die of work-related mishaps. Sometimes they die of old age. Sometimes they die under extremely questionable circumstances while trying to shed light on information that is uncomfortable for the deep state. And yes, sometimes they die of respiratory illnesses during viral pandemics. I'll go one step further. Our mortality makes us who we are. Humans are blessed and cursed with a knowledge of our own fate. No one makes it out of this life alive. And so the question of what we do with our lives becomes paramount. But more and more, death is being removed from life. Our elderly are shipped off to nursing homes to wither away so that we don't have to face aging. The funerary industry is neat and antiseptic. Death has become an abstraction, something that happens somewhere out there to other people. Not to us, though, surely. But the entire pandemic madness seems to be predicated on the notion that disease and death are somehow avoidable. That we have conquered such things, or at least that no new disease could ever possibly arise, bioengineered or not, to upset our perfect balance with nature. I mean, yes, many people die of the flu every year, but that doesn't count. That's not new. This is not to say that we shouldn't work to cure diseases and improve our health. Quite the contrary. It's just that the current bout of hysteria seems almost anti-human, as if we should be able to transcend our mortal humanity. Well, there you go. That was what I was writing at the end of March. And lo and behold, a few months later, they're coming out and saying, you know what? We should transcend our humanity. <laughs> so <laughs> it does not take a genius or a crystal ball gazer to, in order to understand how they're going to parlay certain psychologically embedded ideas that have been embedded into public consciousness through mass-scale traumatizing events like this supposed coronavirus freakout that we've lived through for the last several months. They're going to take it in certain directions that, they, that have been on the plate for decades now, like transhumanism. So it does behoove us to know a little bit more about this 
idea, where it comes from, who's behind it, and what it really implies. So I will once again exhort you to go to the show notes to take a look, for example, at my podcast on transhumanism. Like many other podcasts that I did a decade plus ago, perhaps it is time for an update to that. Uh, there's also that Truth Stream Media video that I recommend. Um, at any rate, there are some resources for you to start dipping into if you are interested in this, because clearly this is an important agenda item that is they're at least dangling in front of the public at this point. I don't think this is going to be the major push or the, as I say, the first or even the second order effects of this coronavirus um, psychological operation against the public, but it is one of the effects and it is part of the longer term plan and really does pertain to the entire future of the human species. So I think you'll agree with me that it is an important subject worthy of our scrutiny. On that note, that's going to do it for today. Thank you for joining me, James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.